can be learned from a story woven out of fragmented moments of joy, pain, and blissful awareness. I wrote my first book, Flesh Mapping, in 2013. It was an invitation into co-creating a pedagogy, a way of learning through our shared narratives of plays and politics, a way of mapping the injuries of the material, emotional, spiritual impact of all our many journeys of growth. Some may call it struggle, forced poverty, displacement, hunger, and war. As a child raised in war, I've learned many lessons. And in the art of living, I'm inviting some of my heroes some of the people who walk with me, who have taught me to walk in beautiful ways, to see co-creation, to see community as our immunity to pain, to suffering, to wanting. Welcome. I'm your host, Sylvia Richardson, and this is The Art of Living. listen to the art of living created to explore the sweetness of life through teaching and learning and what a wonderful way to start my podcast and with my very own favorite actor artist she's a teacher she's an educational developer and a simply a weaver of magic in the classroom my dearest sarah for turner thank you so much for being with me this morning Oh, Sylvia, thank you so much. I can't imagine a better way to spend the morning. Thank you for this invitation. Now, when I look at the world, I see the world through the eyes of beauty. doesn't negate that there are many things in the world that are, you know, wounded. There's a lot of wounded spaces. As As an artist, how do you bring those elements into your world to co-create, you know, uh, both the terrible with the wondrous and create new blends that can possibly help your students, your your children, your friends? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I think that that was really what drew me to the arts is that it felt like a way to make the challenging beautiful. Um, and I think what I mean by that is not, as you say, to negate uh, the challenging and the wounded parts of ourselves, but actually to bring them out into the open and to celebrate that we are strong and resilient and can can hold those places and can hold those places in community and that those aren't places that we need to shy away from, uh, but to own and, and admit to and to have some type of, of ritual or, or community process by which uh, we can surface these pieces and see them in different ways and then thus in seeing them sort of process them and move through them. Uh, so I, I think that it's, it's actually, it is that, that, that allows 
me to even see more beauty in that work uh, and and to be able to to move through the world in, in somewhat of a healthy way uh, so that again it, those spaces don't fester within me that's beautiful you know I, I was as I was thinking of our interview, I was thinking about one exercise you had us do in the class, mm-hmm. and it was to think about our teaching philosophy. And so much of it, I think, it's about remembering, remembering yes. who we are, remembering uh, what has allowed us to grow, what has nurtured us. Um, what has been your perhaps most revealing uh, experience through this exercise? And, and how did you come up with it? What was the inspiration behind it? Oh, great question. And this exercise was actually um, my dear, dear colleague and collaborator, Shauna Jones. Uh, we had been... Um, We've been talking about the different ways to kind of surface uh, these different memories. And actually, we started first uh, with this idea of using this tool called Visual Speak, which are these amazing photos that have actually been researched and, and they're so diverse. So we start with just this metaphor of the photograph. Uh, and And really, I mean, I think part of one of our philosophies together as we kind of jointly do this work together uh, is really that that's what the philosophy is. It's it's building and taking the richness of those memories and finding the specificity and the links of what was it about that experience that has really stayed with you, that you continue to build on and that you continue to really kind of ground your practice in. Uh, And you know, more than even the idea of coming up with it, it's why we actually keep doing it and we keep building on to it. We keep creating another Shauna then built on. And, and I'm wondering if maybe this was the one that you were thinking of too, is a, a very detailed visualization of having people just close their eyes or find some inward attention and, and go in with a little bit more depth to a particular memory of a particular individual and then really investigate within that what are the pieces that you've really taken from that individual. Um, I, I love that way of, of beginning pieces where you say, whose shoulders do I, do I stand on? And, and acknowledging all of those different people. And again, I think what we've found is just how incredibly powerful these exercises are. And instead of our pulling back, we actually find ways of of including more and more memory exercises and and trying to get people to be even more explicit about the values that this has created within them. One of the things that I I find uh, fascinating and at time heartbreaking is that in our society, we have um, people who come from many backgrounds, people who have been denied mm-hmm. many comforts in life, who feel you know, excited about the possibilities of the future, and people who have had a lot of privilege who feel trapped. And I think yeah. a lot of it is um, because there are different layers of poverty. There are different kinds mm-hmm. of poverty. You know, there's a poverty of spirit that I think it's almost yeah. invisibilized, you know, by institutionalized knowing, by teaching a particular, you know, script and saying, this is why you must learn to pass the test and then you're educated. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as an actor, I know you have 
away with words and away with images. And you also bring so much magic into your students' imagination. Um, and, and, and I think this is your secret power, by the way, is mm. how you um, ignite in people that fire to think, oh, I could do that. I could mm. risk and be vulnerable in this space. Um, can you talk a little bit about who... Um, who moved you into that dangerous space of being the trickster, of being the one who, you know, pulls people out of their comfort zone and and allow us to see, you know, the inner fire, the inner courage and those things that are there latent and yet so, you know, willing to come out and you just draw them so beautifully. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for... For seeing that, um, I think that that's, you know, that that's what I love about teaching is that that interchange and that igniting. And I think when I look at, uh, I just feel I was so incredibly blessed with so many teachers who provided that for me, um, and uh, teachers who are who still remain dear friends. Uh, teachers who um, saw that spark within me and noticed that spark and noticed the particularity of that spark and saw my individuality in a really, really deep way and then nurtured and gave me permission to let that out. And uh, I, I feel they really laid that foundation and provided that vision for also what I could be to others, although I don't think I saw it at all at the time. I know when I um, when I first went to to my undergraduate training, um, there was actually I was I was just thrilled beyond belief because there was a local actor who I had seen perform many times, and he was the most brilliant actor. He he was so incredibly talented, and as you say, just utter magic. Uh, he was a musical theater performer, and I'd, I'd see him perform these practically one-man shows where he just, you know, took me on this magical carpet ride of adventure uh, that was awe-inspiring. And I could not believe my good fortune when I walked into my first acting class for my undergraduate training, and he was my instructor. And um, And that really just began an adventure together of, of all of those pieces that I just mentioned of, of really feeling for the first time uh, seen in a really unique way and, and seen sort of, you know, outside those parental units or those family members who, who, you know, love you deeply. Uh, and, and yet this was someone outside of that who had just this love and care and not only for me, but everyone, everyone that, that was, in this person's, even in their periphery, you know, felt just so seen. Uh, and and talk about magic. He was able to, again, sort of be that trickster in our space to, to always push and support and sometimes just laugh at us hysterically. Um, and then I think that was just reinforced as, as, as I learned through teaching myself. Uh, 
you know, that, that really humbling and, and beautiful and, and precious experience of people coming into to my classes with uh, trepidation and yearning uh, and being able to see that and kind of hold that and, and, and slowly learn. And, I, and I'm still in that learning process. And I feel like, you know, that is the beautiful art of teaching is, is how, how, how to be there in that space in that way. I was recently talking to a few friends about my brand new puppy. I have a dog from the SPCA. She's 43 kilos, so <laughs> big puppy. And and when I first took it to the Lishless area, I've, I had this experience yeah. of like, wow, I've never had the biggest dog in the yard. <laughs> It was a mixture of proud mama, you know, energy. And at the yeah. same time, I thought, oh, I hope she doesn't hurt anyone, right? Like, I'm also curious yeah. because she's big and she doesn't know her own size and she doesn't know her own power. And um, and then a few minutes later, another dog arrived who was exactly, probably pound by pound, the same size. But this dog was confident. And she was self-assured, uh. unlike our baby who just came from a rescue center and she's been abused and she feels, you know, coy and yeah. shy. Um, so this yeah. dog immediately, you know, focuses in on her, like zoom eyes and, and then it's like, you know, there's the growl. And I literally witnessed this beautiful baby just shrink. She just went uh. into like this little clump and suddenly she was like this tiny little dog and I and I felt I felt my heart just broke witnessing this. But then I thought, how often do we do that? You know, how often yeah. do we do that as human beings, as learners, as women? You know, we look around, we yeah. compare to others and suddenly we shrink. You know, we just like yeah. contract. And I, I, I think it's such a beautiful gift that a teacher gives us to allow us to see that everyone begins where they begin. You know, we're not yeah. in the same. Um, there's no such thing as a level playing field. For some people, no. injustice and inequality has, you know, slanted the field, right? How do you invite people to see that, to not compare their beginnings to someone else's ending? Oh, what 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 a wonderful question! Um, and it, it, it's interesting. Uh, I'm just I'm so moved by that story too because it, it so reflects to me your your ability to to observe and take that in with your heart and and to notice that whole exchange and. Um, and, and the effect and the cause. And uh, I think, you know, one is just that first step is just being able to observe, right? Just just to be able to, to bring curiosity to the space and to invite curiosity from learners. 
you know, what is, and to look at every experience, just like that experience that you mentioned there with those, those two, those two lovely dogs kind of facing off. I find sometimes that happens within the classroom, right? There are these power dynamics and, and, and unstated at times. And there are, we all enter and every day can be different, right? One, one student who may enter, a classroom with with a lot of bravado and energy and warmth one day may come in the next day and and just be devastated by events from the week or even just the morning um, and so just keeping the space open for for curiosity and keeping the space open and the conversation constantly open uh, to inquire you know that that's a piece that I do really love about a theater practice is is that in within theater there's always a check-in there's any time you start work together there's some way of allowing each individual to check in with themselves like how am I today what am I coming in with today what is my energy what is my desire for collaboration lack of desire for collaboration and what are the pieces that I can and you know and 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 this is a this isn't a piece that we can totally do, but even just to acknowledge what are the pieces that I can give myself permission to kind of leave outside of the door, and then what can I bring in to do the work? Um, so I think that those pieces from that, that theater training, that is just a part of what we do, that acknowledgement and that encouragement for uh, individuals to both take ownership of where they're at um, and also to to continue just to frame and continue to to place that sort of metacognitive lens um, of every process is a process of learning. Mm. No matter what it is that we're learning, we're also learning how we learn and we're learning about ourselves and continuing to keep that frame there uh, to empower people to, to take that up in whatever way they're ready for in that moment. But hopefully even that that lens will continue to inform anything that they do. I love the playfulness and the curiosity and how the two, you know, conquer fear in such a beautiful and gentle mm -hmm. way and such a compassionate way of being with each other. Um, there was one thing that we did in class and, um, yeah. and that was, you know, this idea of checking in, but also after a performance, this idea of crumpling. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And oh that that's really interesting. Yeah, there's a um there's there's an an exercise that it's it's called hunkering. Um and so yeah, so after after a performance, it's that moment. Again, it's it's a check-in moment, but it's also that kind of just a, a release, right? It's that it's that bodily readjustment, that acknowledgement that okay, what we just went through was huge, um, and and in the in the art of performance, right? You're taking on that other role, and so it's taking that time to kind of hunker and recenter and refine who you are, to you know, to allow that other piece to to move through you, of course, and inform you, but also a way to just kind of release that too. Um, and, you know, I mean, so much, I'm just so thankful that so much of the literature around learning uh, is really focusing on this idea that, that we don't learn unless we feel safe. 
right? And the way that we feel safe is um, that that we feel a accepted and respected. Um, but I think a lot of that too is, is that internal space. How do we accept our own selves, and and how do we create safety for ourselves? And I just love that that process of of hunkering is is kind of you know you sort of get into a squat and you you kind of cuddle yourself or it's this real somatic experience of um, of honoring that physical body too. What is your daily practice? How do you as an actor, as an artist, as an educator, as someone who's constantly developing a new educational playbooks <laughs> how do you take <laughs> I care love of that you term. oh so my oh I, I love that question and I'm actually uh, I, I feel you are so much better about your daily practice and and honoring that and um, my daily practice the thing that I I need to have is is journal time so and that is you know I, I worked through the artist's way when I came out of graduate school and I was kind of launching into my professional school and I was really lost at that point because my practice had been so prescribed, right? Graduate school was just this process of a, a very rigorous prescription of this needs to happen for your practice and, and this needs to happen for your practice and, and my undergraduate as well. So, you know, I felt like I had spent like practically you know, 15 years just in this very structured, this is what you need to do. And I'd really flourished in that. But I also realized that there wasn't time or necessarily space in, in all of this infusing of different ideas and practices to, to really find out what I needed. Um, and I, I find, so I went through the artist's way and the, the morning pages and the artist's dates. So that just three pages of just writing and just writing anything, just kind of stream of consciousness. Often it's poetry that will fall out or just complaints, or sometimes I will use that three pages and just draw something out or just scribble. Um, and then I, this has changed over time, but I always need something physical. And sometimes that's been yoga. Sometimes that's been drumming if things have been really, really stressful. Other times it's been running. Uh, so it's it's really changed, and sometimes it's just walking. Um, I love your practice of of and and your attention to really getting out in nature, and I, I too find that so rewarding. And um, and when I can, I do. But you know, having my nine to five job and children at home at night, uh, I try to just figure out ways of putting little pieces in there when I can. In Latin America, dancing was one of the ways I hunkered down, you know, from the mm. sounds of war, from the sounds of trauma and violence outside. And <sighs> it, it's interesting to me uh, to consider how learning and teaching is about a dance. You know, it's about yeah. that sense of connection, of touch, of, you know, sensing mm. your body in a space and at the same time seeing others in a way that is new, that innocence is returned. And, and so mm. it's all of those things, you know, being willing to be wild and bold and at the same time being willing to allow others to lead and, you know, follow yeah. them well. So it's, it's all of it. And so what would you love um, for 
new teachers to maybe take to heart from our conversation something that because as we say in Latin America every time you dance you know you there's this vivencia right a, you know, mm. of a, a real embodied moment it's like taken in life fully and so when you dance like that you're stopping bullets you're stopping wars you're you know what I mean it, it mm. creates a different energy and so how do we yeah con- you know create a contagion of vivencia in our teaching, in our ways of being. Well, and what you brought up earlier that I think is just so important is that um, that is also taking that, that stance and that approach is going against the norm in so many different ways. I actually found and I will I, I will get to a piece of advice maybe at the end of this little story, but I, I found that one thing that was challenging for me when I moved from uh, from teaching theater and, and voice work in theater for so many years, you know, I taught for like 20 years before I came into academia and started working more in education. And I, it was odd because immediately I felt confined. I felt like that practice of that, that boldness um, was met with a lot of um, fear and it was met with a lot of criticism, uh, a lot of um, confusion as to how, where do these spaces blend in terms of, of academic rigor and deep theory and then embodied practices. And and Sylvia, you and I know in our heart, not only they, they are essential for one another. Um, the challenge is, is within institutions where that isn't necessarily the norm, how do we, you know, and I think it's two questions. How do we continue to challenge ourselves? You know, what are those practices that allow us to challenge ourselves? And so that we are fueled with that knowing of the value of that work and the value of that perspective when we move into these spaces. Um, so I, you know, what I would, I, I would suggest for people starting out is, again, to keep finding mentors who who are able to to weave those pieces together uh, and continue within your own personal life to find those things that that do that, that bring that fire to you. And then question and kind of push up against how much you can bring that into the space. Uh, a simple exercise that that we do for for graduate students who are who are beginning to teach, and and this feels like such a simple place to start, but but it it really is that opening gate, is we have them create just a two minute story about their life, about either why they value education, why they love their discipline, why they want to teach, and practice that two minute story and bring it into the classroom, and even just that act of having a personal narrative, many come up and say, oh, I never thought I could talk about that in a classroom. 
So just starting there and then, as you say, you know, and and continue to listen to podcasts like yours that <laughs> have this at this focus right at the heart of it. Um, as we uh, come to the end of our conversation, uh, which is a continued conversation to be continued, of course, um, I wonder, is there any um, must-have tool that you carry with you that's like your your way of engaging or bringing the, you know, just in those days, because we all have gloomy days and bad days. and Yeah. Know. So what's your superpower tool that you... Oh, superpower tool. Well, um, the other day, uh, the, the thing that fuels me when I'm having those really terrible days are, are really students. And um, so my superpower tools are questions. Uh, just questions and, and taking moments of, of connection. Uh, when I'm feeling gloomy, I actually spend more time, you know, when people are coming in, asking them, how did your day go? You know, what, how was the week? What happened this week? Uh, and then what I'll also do is, is my other tool is I find an activity or a task, and maybe this is people have done a reading and, um, and we're looking at definitions. And so I'll have them like create a definition sort of jointly and then uh, have some type of, uh, of a treat. And this isn't about the reward itself, but it's merely just about that unexpected piece that I'm, we're just throwing into the mix. Uh, and it allows me to, to move through the space, to converse, to deepen the conversation, but, but also allow that conversation to stay lively and light and, um, and, and kind of have a lovely frothiness to it. Uh, so just questions and then little unexpected treats. And again, sometimes that will be a piece of chocolate. Sometimes it will be just an activity that is sort of out of the norm uh, that, that people don't expect that allows us to ponder maybe uh, conflictual uh, points of view that we want to be addressing, but just anything that that's of sort of suspense and novelty. In my nature walks, I came across this wonderful artist and writer, and he's he used to be a monk. He's a dancer, a monk, an educator, a writer, and uh, Pujol writes that you know an artist must be an eclectic reader, you know, as well as yeah. a well-trained technician. But he writes that it is really our emotions and our experiences that create that balance and that complete our ability to be social agents, you know, to be able mm. to have social agency. So how do we nurture that agency that not only are we the people we've been waiting for, uh, but that the moment is now? Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Yes. Wow. Um, well, and again, I mean, I, I think like you, uh, that the people that surround me remind me that the agent, that the moment is now, and they remind me of the necessity and the preciousness of that moment. Uh, and, and, you know, taking those moments of daily practice to to just reflect to 
if for some people it's just taking that moment of gratitude and that reminder of the importance of the people and um, your new family member, your new furry family member is, is such a reminder to me, you know, of those, of how precious that time is. My my young children as they're, you know, heading into adolescence, uh, it just reminds me of how precious this moment is and how precious this moment is for the moment itself and also for our our need to care for the future, for for them, for for us. Um, I think just staying present to everything that's going on, um, it, it ends up being a lot to hold. But, but I think that that's where that agency comes from. Uh, when we realize and we listen to people's stories and we listen to the need within those stories, um, be it our own family members, our students, uh, people that we come in contact either through media that we see in the news or film or novels or memoirs, uh, those for me are just constant reminders of why every moment matters. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for all the magic and wonder you bring into the world, for all the ways you invite curiosity into life and into your classroom, and for all the ways you are truly transforming the teaching experience for many new teachers out there. I am truly grateful. Thank you. Sylvia, thank you for, for all of this <laughs> and for this opportunity. It was just such, such a luxury to spend time talking like this with you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye now. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to The Art of Living. I'm an educational consultant and artist, authored, for more information about upcoming events, workshops, retreats, please reach out to sylvierichardson.com. Until next time, remember to be playful, to celebrate joy, and to allow love in all your co-creations. You'll never have to wonder where the groove went. The groove is you.